elders I've brought before the congregation ahead of time and uh, to, to, that they might be recognized uh, so that if anybody, you know, in marriage they say if anybody has a reason for these two not to marry, if anybody has a legitimate reason why uh, any of these individuals should not serve on that board, um, they have an opportunity to come to me and talk to me about it. And so uh, I've uh, chosen three men, and the, the sitting elders have uh, voiced their agreement with these individuals. And so I just want to present them uh, before you this morning, and then uh, probably the first Sunday of March, um, we'll lay hands on them and set them in the position of eldership. Um, but uh, first of all, um, Bill Sutton. Um, Bill, why don't you stand up because I know everybody doesn't know who you are. No, but uh, Bill has uh, understanding of the vision of the church. Um, he has a daughter that's been on the mission field for many years, and so he understands um, one of the great part of our vision is missions. And so Bill's well aware of that. Um, he's uh, been committed to the church for I don't even know how many years now, for many years, and uh, he has a business understanding with the farming and so forth. And so Bill is uh, one of the elders that I'm bringing before you. The second elder that I'm bringing up is uh, Steve Pope. And uh, Steve, once again, is a man well-respected in the community. He served on many boards and so forth. Uh, he understands the ministry and, and uh, missions. Uh, his father uh, is a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor, so he understands um, the ministry very well. He also spent, um, what, three years of your, the early part of his life, it wasn't more than that, in the mission field itself. And so he has an understanding of those things. And so uh, he's a spiritual man. He has... Uh, business understanding as well. And so Steve Pope is my second choice. And then the third choice is uh, Aaron Schroeder. Aaron, stand up so everybody knows who you are. And, you know, he has an understanding of the ministry. He's been uh, in the ministry as long as I have, as far as being in the church. Uh, and uh, he was there when he went through school when we were in the church in Wapak and also for the almost 35 years that we've been here. Uh, he's uh, a young man, and uh, I want to see our young people get more involved in the leadership of uh, our congregation. He's a, he's a businessman in the community and respected, and so uh, Aaron is my third choice. Has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that his last name is Schroeder. <laughs> if you buy that, i got a bridge I want to sell you. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so uh, once again, those are the three individuals that are, are before you as uh, elders of the church. Uh, and again, if you have any uh, reason why any of these three men should not serve, um, come and see me and we'll dis discuss it. Um, probably not Monday through Thursday because um, this week I'm going to be down in Tulsa for a few days. And so, uh, leaving tomorrow morning, I'll get back Thursday afternoon. Praise the Lord. And like I said, then we'll, we'll play the, pray for them and place them in their position of authority on uh, the 1st of March or thereabout, whatever that first Sunday is. Thank God for His Word. Yes. Amen? Amen. And uh, I want to talk to you today about creating the abundant life in our lives. Creating, you know, it, it's, we, we've got the promise of abundant life, but we've got to realize that we've got to cooperate with the Word of God and, and so forth for it to be able to be manifest in our lives. And one of the, one of the things is, um, what do you see? You know, a lot of people don't, when they, when they see, it kind of goes back to the old analogy, when you see a glass of water, and 
the water goes up halfway in the glass. Do you see the glass as being half full or half empty? And uh, how do you see life? Do you see yourself experiencing the, the abundant life? Or do you see your life full of lack, full of not having? And, and you say, well, Pastor, if you only knew, you know, the, the condition of my life, the condition of things. But you know, condition only, it has a small part to do with the, determining our view of life. You know, I, I know people that have plenty of money. If I would have had their money, I would have been so thrilled. But you know what? They didn't see it that way. They all, always saw themselves as not having enough of, of always being short. How do you see yourself? You know, I remember some years back there was a, a, a woman in the church and, and uh, she was on assistance and so forth. And, and there was another woman in the church. And she was in kind of the same condition. And, and they were talking one day. And the, the one woman, she would, you know, she would take care of herself to some degree. And the other woman just, you know, didn't. And, and they, they got into a discussion. And the one woman who didn't said, well, you know, I just don't have anything. The other one looked at her and says, you know, you may not have much, but you don't have to look like it. You can take care of of what you have. Remember years back, Jerry Seville, who, before he was in the thrust of his ministry, uh, traveled with Kenneth Copeland. And as he was traveling with Kenneth Copeland, he had a belief for his own needs to be met and so forth. And at one point, uh, their, their needs weren't being met. And, uh, and one day he was complaining to Kenneth Copeland. He was telling everybody how he just just didn't have anything. He just didn't know how he was going to make it. And Kenneth Copeland said, you know, Jerry, you really need to begin to practice the vocabulary of silence. He says, well, what does that mean? He says, you need to learn to keep your big mouth shut. He says, if you can't say something positive, don't say anything. He says, tick him off. He said he went home and got all of his Kenneth Copeland books and all his Kenneth Copeland tapes and took him and threw him in the garbage. And he says, then he's sitting there quiet with God, and God says, you know, Jerry, you really ought to learn the vocabulary of silence. He says, you've been listening to Copeland. He says, no, he's been listening to me. He said he went out and picked the books and tapes out of the garbage and put them back on the shelf. But what do you see? What do you see? You know, on Saturday morning, not this past Saturday, but Saturday before when we were in Honduras, I spoke at the men's meeting and, and the, the title of my message was Image or Imagination. What's, what's your image? Because what your image, what your image is, is, is going to determine your imagination. Because whether we like it or not, every one of us, we have an imagination. Some of us just have a bigger one than others, but we all have an imagination. But you know what? That imagination is going to be based upon the image that we have. If we have a poor image, our imagination is going to see nothing but defeat, failure. But if we have a good image, if we see who we truly are in Christ Jesus, and that we can do all things through Christ as He strengthens us, our imagination is going to begin to dictate that. It's going to begin to reveal that. It's going to begin to, it's going to begin to show that. So what do you see? When you look into your life, around your life, what do you see? Do you see lack? Do you see shortage? Do you see bondage? Because I, I found something out about people. If you've got an area of addiction or an area, you know, we like to call it an issue in our life, we can't seem to get control over it. Let me tell you something. If you don't see yourself free from it, you'll never be free from it. If you see it as a hold in your life, it will continue, continue to be a hold in your life. And you know what? It won't matter what you do. Because what goes around comes around. It eventually come back and it'll grab a hold of you again. So we need to, how, how do we see ourselves? What do we see when we look around us? What do we see when we look in, into our life? 
There was a time in my life when I looked at myself, what I saw was a loser. I saw somebody that was stupid. I saw somebody that was never going to be able to achieve anything. But thank God for the Word of God because it began to change that image that I had of myself. What's the image that you have? There's only one way to change that image. Thank God for positive confession. Thank God for positive thinking. But you know what? That in and of itself isn't going to do it. It's got to be based upon something. What it needs to be based upon is what the Word of God says about you. And when we begin to take what the Word of God says about us, we stop seeing ourselves as a loser. We stop seeing ourselves as stupid. We see, stop seeing ourselves as a non-achiever. We begin to see ourselves moving forward and accomplishing things for the kingdom of God and being a blessing to other people. Because you know what? Ultimately, that's what life is all about. All the rewards that you receive in life, they, amount, they don't amount to a hill of beans. But what amounts to something is what do you do for the kingdom of God and how do you affect the lives of other people in a positive way? Because if we're not accomplishing, if we're not doing those, those two things, come Lord Jesus. Because we might as well be out of this place. Because apart from that, there's absolutely nothing that truly brings value into life. Why is it that there's so many athletes, so many actors, so many people of fame that fall by the wayside? Let me tell you something. Their lives are screwed up. And you know why it is? Because they're trying to find fulfillment in life in their self-achievements. But then you find other ones out there. That they use their fame, they use their achievement. Why? So that they can be a blessing to others. And as a result of that, their life is stable. You find that they have normal family life. Husbands and wives stay together and they love their children and they go to their activity. And they've got bukus of money. Why is that? Because they found their value in something other than self. Why does the Bible come against self? It doesn't really come against self. It comes against selfishness. Because of what it produces in our life. It produces death and destruction. It doesn't produce anything within us that is of any real value. And so, God's created us, His people. He's not taking us out of the world. We're still in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. So that we can impact this world that we live in. But you know what? If we see ourselves as a victim, if we see ourselves as... <clears throat> You know, woe was me because, you know, I could have been something, but I'm a Christian. Man, you need to, you need to get a new image of what a Christian is. That's, that, 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 old, that old image is, is gone. As a Christian, we're to be the achievers. We're to be the ones in the forefront. We're to be the ones that people look to and go to because we're the ones that have hope. Nobody else has any hope. No. But we do. No. You know, Angie, the director of Hope House, and that's intentional. Because she, what she wants to do is she wants to give these children that come into that house hope. She doesn't call it an orphanage. She calls it a house. She made this statement when we were talking. She says there's only, there's only really two things that are necessary for somebody to have achievement in life, to have success in life. I don't, I don't forget exactly how she said it. But she said, Jesus and education. That's right. So what she's doing within that school, you know, I... I I want everybody in this church at some point or another to be able to go to Honduras. I want you to see the school. I want you to hear from this woman's mouth her vision. Yes. And uh, 
this school is is a it's a home. It's an atmosphere of love, and 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 Jesus is presented to them. But you know, if if you're not in the in the city, and even many of them in the city, uh, they they don't get their education. Like the one boy that was there, that's in the class that they were able to hire because of our support. She, he was there this summer when we were there. He was the taller young man. What was his name? I don't remember his name. Reuben. 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 Uh -huh. And, uh, uh -huh. but he's, what is he, 17 years old? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 16, I think. 16. But he's, he's like in the sixth grade or something right. like that. But when he came, he had, he couldn't even read, so they taught him to read. And so, uh, Sarah's the young lady that helps her in the home. Um, she's what, 20 years old? Yeah. 2021, 20, something like that. Yeah. And they're helping her get back to school to get her education. So here she is at that age, and she's she's studying at a third grade level. And so we're being we, we have the opportunity to be a part of this. And what Angie's vision is is ultimately to have the children and a hundred kids in the house. But her school is not just open to the kids that are in the house, it's open to the community. Because they're in a very poor area, and so those from the outside are able to come in and, and, and they're able to get an education as well. How do you, how do you see yourself? You see, I, I love Angie's testimony. She's a young lady from, from Alabama, can I hear her name, man? And uh, she, she went to Honduras on a mission trip, and 17 years later, she's still there. Now she's the founder and the director of, of the school. How do, you, how do you see yourself? What's the image that you have of yourself? What do you believe that God is able to do in and through you? And that's why our name, Abundant Life, Ministries is so important to to me anyway because it it really is a statement of what we believe. John 10 10 says the thief has come but but except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. I thank God that He doesn't want us to just get by. He wants us to have an abundant life. And he wants us to have the abundant life, the Zoe life, the abundant life, so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, now oftentimes when we think of abundance, we, we immediately just think of finances. And you know, finances is a necessary thing. But I like what Kenneth Copeland says about finances. He says, Finances is the lowest form of prosperity that you'll ever find. He desires for us to have life abundantly. He wants us to prosper, to be blessed in every area of our life so that we can be a blessing to everybody that we can come in contact with. You know what? You have to be blessed to be a blessing. You can't give somebody something that you can't have. That includes money. You can't give what you don't have because if you do, you're a thief. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know what? You can't give peace either if you don't have it. You can't give love if you don't have any. You can't give hope if you don't have any. You know what this world that we live in, what it needs more than anything else is some hope. So what do you see? Are you hopeful? Right. Or are you one of those that your head is down, you're walking in fear and trepidation because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring? Well, I don't know much about tomorrow. But there's one thing that I, knew, I do know about my tomorrow. is my God will supply every need that I have tomorrow. But my God his promise that he'll never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. And so that you know what that means? That means he's with me tomorrow. That's right. 
You see, I have a hope for tomorrow. I have a hope for next week. I have a hope for next year. I have a hope if Jesus tarries in the next decade because it's in Jesus. It's not in my ability. It's not what, what I think. It's what he's done. We need to understand something because he talks about it all the time. Our quality of life is very important to God. Because if our quality of life was not important to God, why would he give us the promises that he's given us? Why has he given us the promise that we will overcome, that, that the abundant life is available to us in every area of our life, that sozo, salvation, doesn't just simply mean that we get to go to heaven when we die. But it's all-inclusive. It's, it's, a, it's a promise of prosperity. It's a promise of social well-being. It's a, it's a promise of health. So what that tells us is that God is interested in our quality of life because he knows our quality of life is dependent or, or upon our quality of life is dependent our ability to affect and influence others. And so quality is important to God. The Bible says that he's given us so many gifts, so many graces, so that our needs can be met, but so that we can also reach out to others as well. Listen to this in James 1.17. Let's back up to 16. It says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So he's, he's talking to us as believers. And he's saying, don't be deceived. Now, now why would he tell us not to be deceived? Because we're vulnerable. Because deception wants to come our way. You know, one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy has loosed on the earth today is calling good evil and evil good. We see it all around us. Calling good evil. You take a stand for the for the things of God and you're called a bigot. Right. You're called hateful. You're called all of those things. And so good is, is called evil. How many of you know it's good to believe in and follow the principles that God's given us in His Word? But then evil is called good. And oftentimes... God is given credit for things that God had absolutely nothing to do with. It's the wickedness of man that has brought death and destruction into this world. It is not the wickedness of God. It's because there's the world, the flesh, and the devil that is out there to bring destruction into every area of life, whether it be the home, whether it be business, whether it be our community, it's not God. He's come that we might have life, that we might have more abundantly. You know, the disasters that take place in the earth, in, in the world today, the media goes through them, and what's, what's the first words that you hear coming out of people's mouths? Why did God allow this to happen? He had absolutely nothing to do with it. There's a destroyer out there. He wants to bring death and destruction. But in the midst of that destruction, that which the enemy intended for evil, God will take it and he'll turn it about for good. But that doesn't mean that God brought evil into your life so that something good can come out of it. The enemy brings evil into your life to bring death and destruction. But in the midst of that, just think of that, in the midst of that, God takes it around him. He causes good to come out. Yes. And so he says, don't be deceived. 
my beloved brother. Every good gift. Everybody say good gift. Every good gift. And every perfect <coughs> gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God doesn't change. We serve a good God and that doesn't change. It doesn't change from decade to decade and it doesn't change from individual to individual. You need to understand something. God has nothing but good for you. And everybody says, good for me. I, I know this is really complicated. But when I say, you say, you say, after I say it. So everybody says, good for me. Good for me. That's so much better. But notice, there isn't, there isn't even a shadow. There isn't an even a inkling of turning. And so you know what that means? That means that you can have confidence every moment of every day that every thought that God has about you is for good and not for evil. Everything that God wants to pour out in your life is for good and not for evil. That's the God that we serve. He's so wonderful. He's so wonderful. Well, you know what? We've been deceived into thinking we're battling with God. Right. We're not. Right. He wants to pour out his abundant blessings. Well, let me read it the way it is. Every good gift and every perfect gift and the ultimate gift was Jesus. God so loved the world. loves his family members. That's who we are. We're his kids. We're his children. Let's look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It's talking about the word. And there's another, one of the deceptions out there. The deception of Making the word insignificant. Now, this this is just me, okay? Everybody say this is pastor. This is pastor. This this just me. You know, I, I've got my mechanical Bibles. Is that what you call them? You know, the, the things on your phone and you know on your iPad and and on your Kindle. I, I I've got a Bible and all those things. Every, every one of them. I've got a Bible. But you know what? I, I made a decision. I'm going to read paper. Because there's just something about this book when it's, you know, <clears throat> things have changed so much. You know, when, when, when Jeff was in the Ukraine and then, then in Italy, we'd get to talk to him once on a while on the telephone. That was, that was about it. And you guys... One of the later years that they were there, he gave us a, a, a computer so that we could FaceTime and so forth, and so we were able to do that once in a while. And, but you know, when we were in Honduras on our, our mission trip, um, I wasn't able to call home on my phone because I didn't, didn't have a plan down there. But it was the weirdest thing because of internet. I could, I could FaceTime And so, you know, we'd get back to the house or to wherever we're staying, and, and, and I, I'm FaceTiming. 
not only did I get to talk to her, I could, I could see her. And you know, I know I'm old, but you know, to, to see that face, this this bless me. You know, because I just, I just love her so much. <laughs> but I, I, I really enjoyed doing So that both you and your household can be blessed. 
We have to make that decision. We have to make that choice in our life. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and the ninth verse, and of course, we, we use this in the context of giving. But in the true context of the scriptures, it's true in every area of our life. 8 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now again, we use this for offering time to talk about how Jesus was our substitute. But you know what? He became sick so that we can be whole. He was enslaved so that you and I might be free. It's true in, in every area of your life. For you know the grace. You know, one of the definitions of grace is unmerited favor. Another definition of grace is, is God's power unleashed in our life to do His will. Both of those are true. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, He became poor. So that you and I, even through His poverty, might become rich so that we might be a blessing to others. And so, what do we look at? Do we look at our poverty, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, or do we look at Jesus? Because he became so that we become. And so when we look to Jesus, we see who we truly are. When we look into his word and we see the promises, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are brand new creations in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. How do you see yourself? I don't know about you. I don't ever go around confessing that I'm a sinner. I don't know, ever go around confessing what I can't do. I talk about what Christ has done in me. And because of what Christ has done in me, through Him, I can do all things. And so I look to Him and I trust in Him. And where do we find that trust? There has to be a hope that's built up on the inside of us. We find that hope through Jesus. We find that hope through the Word. Going over one chapter to 2 Corinthians 9.8. Well, it's really hard to just start reading there. But I will. And God, and God, is able. That means He's got the ability to do this. God does. And God is able to make all grace, all grace, all grace, what does that mean? All grace. For every area of your life, there's grace. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you through His grace. It isn't because all at once you become so talented. It's because of the grace of God that's working in you and me. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And of course, once again, we look at this in the context of what he's immediately talking about, but I want to talk about it in the context of Scripture as a whole. In the context of Scripture as a whole, this isn't just talking about finances. This is talking about every single area 
your life. Pastor Becky just uh, amazed me last weekend. I think it's kind of funny. You know, we went to Honduras for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the big time when you go to Honduras for the weekend. You know, but we're melancholy. You know, Pastor Becky really doesn't enjoy traveling that much. Um, but we're standing in line in the Des Moines airport to get our tickets. She's talking to me. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? She's talking to people. And she's finding out stuff about these people and I'm just scratching my head We get on the airplane and she's talking to people. And I'm through the whole weekend, she's talking to people and talking about how much she's enjoying this. I'm Pastor Becky. <laughs> but you know what? She was grace. Yeah, yeah. And even before she left, she, she said to me one day, she says, I'm, I'm really surprised, I'm really excited about going. It's like the first time that we went to the Philippines, the first overseas trip that we took in. Jimmy's here and he's talking about the rat races in the in, in the rafters and, and the bugs and the food and just how terrible it is. And he leaves and she's excited about going to the Philippines. She says, I don't understand this. Oh, now we do. It's the grace of God. You see, when we open ourselves up to the grace of God, we'll do things that we thought were absolutely impossible for us to even consider doing and we'll do it with a smile on our face because it's the grace of God. He wants to release His grace in your life and my life so that we might live that abundant life. Why? So that we can impact the lives of others. Well, Pastor, how does all this come to pass. You know, we talk about Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. But oftentimes, we forget to include in that study what I consider to be the most important phrase of all. And it comes from Mark 11, 22. It's very simple. Have faith in God. What is it that God's called you to do? Have faith in Him. Because if He's called you to do it, He's graced you to do it. And that grace equips you to do it. That's the God that we serve. He's never, he's never asked us to do something that He will not and has not equipped us to be able to do. That's the God we serve. He's a mighty God. He's a faithful God. So what I've shared with you today, it really boils down to this. We need to trust and we need to believe God. We made this Christian life so complicated. But this Christian life we live is something that we're to enjoy. It's not supposed to be something that is a, a burden and a struggle that we wrestle with every moment of every day. It comes from trust 
believing. But God said what he said. Not what he said. He's going to perform what he said. In your life and in my life. And so today, I want to ask you, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the circumstances around you, the world that we live in, or are you looking at the abundant life that's been made available to each and every one of us through the completed works of Jesus? Amen? And amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that what you've said, you're quick to bring it to pass in each of our lives. And Father, we're here as your vessels. You're the potter, we're the vessel. And so we want to get off of our own turning wheel where we're trying to make ourselves into the men, the women that we think we should be. We want to get back onto your turning wheel that you might turn us into the vessel that you've always intended for us to be. A vessel used for your glory and for your purposes. And Father, we ask it and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen.